Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cheerlogic Media Podcast, brought to you by CheerlogicMedia.net. My name is Tony Bentley. Today, we're going to switch gears a little bit, move away from media and technology, and we're going to talk about something uh, that is important to gym owners and program providers everywhere, and that is how to deal with difficult parents. Anyone who has ever run a gym or run a program or coached cheerleading knows uh, that 95% of the parents that we deal with on a regular basis are an absolute pleasure to work with. Uh, But every now and then you get that last 5% that come in and they find something to complain about, some reason to tell you why you're not doing your job properly, and they make a point of telling you about it. So the the five tips that I'm going to give are to address, you know, the the 5% of parents that kind of give us trouble. Now, Let's just remember one thing before we jump into this, and that is that parents love their kids. That's why they're paying for your service. If your parents didn't love their kids and didn't want the best for them, they wouldn't be paying hundreds of dollars a month for their kid to be at your gym. Um, and, and also remember that in society, there, there is a sector of parents that aren't responsible enough to, to recognize the value that organized sport brings to their kid, and, they, and they've decided not to make the investment of organized sports for their child's life. You are lucky enough to deal with the parents who have made that choice for their children, who have decided that yes, organized sport and the value that it will bring my kid is worth the investment. So right there, you're dealing with, you're dealing with parents that are, in my mind, more more or less good parents. There's always exceptions to the rule, but they're the ones who decided to make that choice for their kids. Um, So for that reason alone, they deserve our respect and they deserve uh, our time and they deserve to be listened to. Uh, Secondly, parents pay your bills. They pay your bills, they pay your salary, they also fund our industry. Um, If you look at an event like the Summit, which has hundreds and hundreds of athletes, thousands even, that come uh, to Florida every year to compete, that entire event, that multi-million dollar event, is is crowdsourced by parents. Parents paid for the makeup, the bow, the choreography, the music, everything. Everything about that event was crowdsourced by parents. So for that reason alone, they deserve a certain amount of your time, they deserve a certain amount of your attention, and they deserve to be heard when they have concerns and complaints. With that, let's jump into number one. Um, My first tip is something that I learned kind of just over the last year when dealing with parents um, of a gymnastics center that I was working at. Uh, It's also something that was reiterated at a professional conference that I attended earlier this year. Uh, Ali Moffitt was giving a, uh, a seminar, and that is that your program may not be for everybody. Let me say that one more time. Your program may not be for everybody, and that's okay. If you look at a company like WestJet Airlines, uh, for my American friends, WestJet is kind of the Canadian version of Southwest Airlines. WestJet spends a lot of money and a lot of energy and a lot of time every year on customer service. Um, And over the last decade, that investment has served them well. They're ranked number one in customer service in the industry, uh, and they have been for the last decade or so. If there's one company out there that has bent over backwards to make sure that its customers are happy, it's WestJet Airlines. Now, I used to work for WestJet, and I know that despite that investment, despite all the time and effort that they have put into making sure that their customers are happy, not every customer is happy. That's just the way it goes. Not every customer is happy with their experience. Some customers walk into the airport looking for something to complain about, looking for a reason that their experience wasn't what it should be, maybe looking for a reason uh, to get some kind of discount back so that they can save money on their trip. For whatever reason, not everybody likes WestJet Airlines, and that's okay because WestJet has to make a decision at the end of the day. Is the money this one person is going to spend over the next couple of years worth the time, the effort, the frustration that our customer service staff is going to have to go through in order to deal with them? Sometimes the answer to that question is no, and that's okay. 
because there's other ways to travel. That person has other options that they can go to. They can go to Air Canada, they can go to any one of the other carriers. And if they're really not happy with air travel in general, there's always different ways to travel, right? Now, switch that over to cheerleading. You may put every effort that you possibly can into making sure that you are offering the best, highest quality programming that you possibly can. There's always going to be that one or two people who walk into the gym and they find a reason why your product isn't good enough. Now, they have a couple of options too. One, there might be a program inside your gym that's better suited to them. Maybe they're frustrated at the cost, maybe they're frustrated at the time commitment uh, of all-star cheerleading. Maybe all-star prep would be a better, a better uh, option for them. If all-star prep isn't an option for them, you know, cheerleading may not be their thing, and that's okay. They don't have to purchase cheerleading for their kids. They don't have to invest in cheerleading for their kids. There's other organized sports out there that might work for them. Maybe they're not a team player. Maybe their kid was better suited to more of an individual sport. In that case, maybe women's artistic gymnastics would be better for them, or maybe men's artistic gymnastics. If gymnastics isn't their thing, Maybe something like golf would be uh, better for them. There are other organized sports out there that may be better suited to some athletes and some families, and that's okay. So while it's worth your while to make sure that you are doing everything you can to keep your customers happy and to keep them informed and to make sure that they're having a good experience at your gym, there's some parents, there's some families, um, your program just may not be for them. And as soon as you can come to grips with that as a gym owner and say, you know what, you know, I'm, I'm, re I'm retaining 95% of the athletes that are here in those other 5%, um, they may be happier somewhere else. Once you can get to that place as a gym owner, that's definitely a good thing. The second tip, uh, you are the professional in that relationship. The relationship between a gym owner or a program director and parents, you are the professional in that relationship and you need to act like it. In most cases, parents just want to know that they are talking to someone who knows what they're doing. They want to talk to somebody who's a professional in the industry, who knows the industry best practices, who knows the industry standards, who knows the industry safety standards, uh, who is going to set their kid up to have the best and most successful experience uh, in cheerleading. They need to know that you are that person. Now, the best way for you to communicate that you are that person is to demonstrate your knowledge. I have always said that knowledge is power. You've heard that old axiom. Well, I, I think it's very true. Knowledge is power. The more that you know, the more power you will have to convince people uh, that you know what you're doing and that the experience that you're providing to athletes and to their families is the best one possible. So um, how can you demonstrate that you are knowledgeable in the industry, that you're a professional in the industry? Well, one, you have to communicate with your families. You've got to talk to them. You can't just hide from them and expect all the problems to go away. You've got to get out there and talk to them. But the other thing that you can do, and this is something that I've actually done uh, to help my career, is, is get involved in the industry in different sectors. You know, there's, it's one thing to step on the floor and be a coach. But if you can step on the floor as a coach, but you've also got uh, experience as an athlete, you've got experience in sport management, you've got some experience maybe in judging, you've judged events before, you know exactly what judges are looking for, you know how to set up a routine uh, to hit the score sheet, um, if you've been involved in choreography and you know what judges are looking for in terms of creativity and how to choreograph a routine, um, if you've got that industry background, that industry knowledge that you can bring to the floor, parents tend to respect that because they see that you're not just invested in standing on the floor barking at kids, but you're actually invested in building up your professional experience uh, in the industry um, across different sectors of the industry. Um, the last thing that you can do is make sure that you're showing parents that you know what you're talking about. 
I have a good friend who is a coach in um, in parkour. He's kind of one of the one of the industry leading parkour coaches in Western Canada. And um, one example that he gave me that that always kind of stuck with me is he said, you know, you might be walking down the street and there's a construction site that you walk by and you stop and you look at the construction site and a lot of what you see might scare you. It may look dangerous. There's a lot about what goes on a, on a construction site at, to the naked eye. Uh, it looks dangerous, it looks disorganized, and it looks like you're putting people in harm's way. But the foreman of that construction site uh, is a professional in the industry, knows what he's doing, and knows what the industry standards are, industry best practices, and also knows what the industry safety standards are. So we look at that and we say, oh my goodness, this is dangerous. But someone with a trained eye, someone who's involved in construction can walk by, they look at what's happening, and they know that everything's being done properly. Now, if you sat there day after day and you watched over and over and over this construction site, at some point you might start to figure it all out. You might start to figure out the system. You might start to understand what safety practices are in place, what protocols are in place. You might understand how the construction workers are operating. Uh, you might even start to put together an idea of how to construct your own building. Um, but if you ever sat down and decided, you know what, I can do this job better than these guys can, and you set yourself to the task of actually constructing a building on your own, you would very quickly realize that the things that you can learn by watching uh, are really just scratching the surface of the industry. There's a lot more to it that's going on that you can't see uh, from, from an outside perspective. And quite frankly, you would probably fail at um, constructing your own building. Uh, it's the same thing with cheerleading parents. You know, they, they sit there uh, and they watch what happens in cheerleading. They see your, their kid being thrown up in the air. They see their kid throwing someone else up in the air and catching them. They see them doing roundoff handspring tucks. They see them doing tumbling. All these types of things might look dangerous to somebody who is untrained, but those people trust, those parents trust that you know what you're talking about and that their practice is being conducted according to industry standards and according to best practices and safety protocols. You know, but parents sit there and they watch. They watch over and over, day in, day out. They might sit there for a couple of hours at a time watching cheerleading. And eventually they start to figure out the system. Eventually they start to understand what their kid's doing when they get on the floor. They start to understand what the coach is doing when, the, when they get on the floor. And in some parents' minds, they might be tempted to start to believe that they know better than you do. And you have to let them know that that's not the case. You have to show them that you know a lot more than they do and that's why you're the coach and they're not. If they knew how to do it, they wouldn't be paying you to do it. They would be doing it themselves. So one way that I like to do that, and this is my third tip, is by involving parents and making them feel like they're part of the process. Now, this might seem a little bit counterintuitive. You might say, wait a minute, Tony, by involving parents in the process, you're empowering them with even more knowledge and setting them up to challenge you and your judgment even more. Well, that's not necessarily the case. Parents are paying a lot of money for their kids to be in, involved in cheerleading. And basically, they, they pay the money and then they sit back and watch. And they watch you do your job and they watch their kid have fun. And uh, they don't actually participate a whole lot. So by involving them in the process, you can make them feel like they're getting uh, a window into the experience that they're paying for for their kids. And one way that I like to do this is um, at the beginning of every session when I start a tumbling class, especially when it's a new tumbling class, like a level one tumbling class, um, at the end of the first tumbling class, I ask all of the parents who are in the waiting area, uh, in the last five minutes of class, I invite them out into the gym, onto the floor, and I show them three things. I say, you know what, this, these are three things that you can work with with your kid at home so that they can have more success when they're here at their tumbling class. And I show them how to do a basic uh, handstand with their tummy against the wall and how to hold a hollow um, straight line body position. 
I show them how to uh, stretch their bridges at home so that shoulders are over top of their wrists and they're stretching through their shoulders and not their back. And then the last thing that I show them how to do is how to stretch splits uh, so that kids are stretching at home, stretching their legs. And that way in my you know beginner level one tumbling class when I'm trying to work walkovers, I might actually get some straight legs out of it. And I sit there and I just saw those three things, three basic things. I said, you know what? I don't want you working on handsprings at home. I don't want you working on cartwheels at home or anything that's going to damage anyone. But here's three static positions that you can work on at home so that when they come to tumbling class, uh, they've got some of those basic building blocks in place and then I can take them to the next level. And the parents absolutely appreciate that. They love being included. They love being, uh, being spoken to and being included in the process uh, because they feel like they're getting more for their money. That's number one. So one, by doing that, the parents feel like they're included but the second thing is that I am demonstrating that I know more about this sport than they do a parent may be sitting there in the audience thinking that they know how to uh, to teach a handstand or that they know what a proper bridge looks like or that they know how to stretch um, stretch splits uh, but as soon as I bring them onto the floor and I actually point out some of the very particular things that I'm looking for, a uh, hollow body position, a neutral head, a straight body line, pointed toes, legs together, and a handstand, um, and a bridge, shoulders over top of your wrist, legs together, straight legs, stretching through the, uh, the shoulders and not through the back, those sorts of things, and I point out all the particulars about uh, the skills that I'm coaching, all of a sudden they realize, oh, you know what, I didn't know that, but he did, and so now I'm highlighting my knowledge and I'm also highlighting to a certain degree their ignorance. I'm showing them that they don't actually know as much as they might think that they do and that if they want to know more I'm the best person they can talk to to find out. Now if they have a question about sport, if they have a question about tumbling, they look at me and they see me as a reliable resource that they can come to for knowledge. So that's that's another reason to keep them involved in the process to highlight uh, your knowledge and their ignorance. The fourth tip that I've got for dealing with difficult parents uh, is to pick up the phone. Very important, pick up the phone. Whether they're calling or you're calling, uh, do it over the phone as often as possible or better yet, do it in person. Um, that is something that I, that's a habit that I got into uh, just sort of over the last 12 months um, being a competitive program coordinator is anytime I got an email from a family, a mom or a dad um, expressing real frustration with something that they either saw at the gym the night before or an experience that they had at a competition or whatever, you know, I, I maybe had four or five of them uh, over the year where a parent just emailed me and absolutely tore me a strip up one side and down the other. Instead of responding by email, I picked up the phone, took a deep breath, I gave them a call, and I listened to what they had to say. Now, there's a couple of reasons why I did this. One, it's more personal. Remember, parents just want to feel like they are being heard. Honestly, in you know, nine times out of ten, um, the situation actually isn't as bad as the parent might believe it is. But they just want to be heard. They want to know that their frustrations are being heard and that they are being taken seriously. It's very hard to communicate that through an email. Remember, if you look at communication, communication is 10% words, 35% intonation, and 55% body language. So when you send an email using only words, you're actually only communicating 10% of what you want to say. So uh, picking up the phone, you at least let them hear your voice. You at least let them hear the concern, hear the honesty, the authenticity in your voice, and just let them speak. And I would honestly do that. I'd get an email, I'd take a deep breath, give them a call, and I would listen to what they had to say. That may have taken 10 minutes, it may have taken 30 minutes, but I would listen to what they had to say all the way through to the end. I would take a few notes, I would reiterate back to them what they just said to me so that they knew that I was being, that they were being heard. And then I would, I would ask them straight out, okay, what's the solution here? 
you you have an issue do you have a solution that you'd like to propose and i'd listen to what their solution was and in a few instances the solution that they came up with was a good one and we just kind of went with that and a couple of times you just say okay well you know what i like this part of what you're offering or what you're proposing i think we can make that work um this part over here though doesn't really fit with our philosophy it doesn't really fit with um the training program that we have in place uh but what if we tried this and i think in every single instance in the past year where i've just picked up the phone and I called a parent to listen to what they had to say and speak with them, we were able to come to some sort of res resolution. Even if the resolution was, you know what, this competitive program that you're in, it's not the best program for you. This program over here might actually be a better fit. So the best solution in this case is let's let's take them out of competitive gymnastics or cheerleading for now. Let's put them into this program so that they can have uh, they can experience success. They can have a good experience in the sport, and then we can come back later and decide if putting them back in compet is the best way to go. But picking up the phone and giving them a call is uh, is a huge key to success in dealing with difficult parents. Um, even better is invite them into your office, have a conversation face to face. It is a lot harder for a parent or anyone for that matter to be rude to you if they have to look you in the eye. Uh, one example of this um, that I dealt with last year is there was a family who's very, very concerned with the experience their daughter had at a competition. They felt that the, the way that the coach handled the competition and handled the athletes uh, at competition was very inappropriate. And I could tell that a conversation over the phone uh, just wasn't wasn't the best option for us. So I invited them both in, mom and dad. They came in, they sat down across from me. And immediately the tone of their concerns changed from what I had heard over the phone to what I had seen in the office. They were still very concerned and they still brought up some very legitimate um, th things that we needed to deal with. But the tone of their complaints, the tone of their frustrations uh, lightened up considerably when they had to say it to me to my face. So talking to parents face to face is always, always, always a better option than emailing them back. If you can't um, if you can't speak to them face to face, give them a phone call. The last tip I have in dealing with difficult parents is communication. Communication is essential. Just like any relationship, you have to communicate two ways if you want to make it work. Um, the biggest frustration I find in some of the gyms that I've worked at is uh, lack of access to, to information can be a source of huge frustration for everybody, whether it's your staff or the athletes or the families. Um, if there's not good quality information, when does the practice start? What are we wearing? When does the competition happening? What's our start time? When do we show up? How are we gonna do our hair? Uh, when are we getting our uniforms? Which bow are we wearing? When is the showcase? When is it happening? What's the address? Uh, all those sorts of things. If there is no good, clear access to information, it can be very frustrating for families. So one of the very first things that you can do is set up a quality communication system at your gym which will kind of preempt nine out of 10 frustrations in families. Um, so I recommend always employing at least five avenues of communication. And you as a gym owner can decide which five you wanna use. Um, so I've got kind of five examples here. You might say, okay, I'm gonna communicate using one, my website, which I always recommend. Your website has to be a good quality avenue of communication for your families. It should be the first avenue of communication. 
Um, but you're also going to put a whiteboard out in the foyer of your gym. Uh, you're going to communicate by email. You're going to use Facebook uh, groups and pages to communicate. And you're also going to use your class management systems uh, texting function to text out reminders and stuff like that. Okay, so five, five avenues. And anytime you have... Um, you have a big event coming up or something important that you want to communicate, you're going to sit down and make sure that you have ticked off all five of those uh, avenues. So for example, let's say uh, the showcase uh, that is happening a month from now has been pushed back and it's going to occur on the Sunday rather than the Saturday. That's a pretty important piece of information because families may have already planned that weekend out that they would be at the showcase on Saturday and they might have a family outing scheduled on Sunday. Your staff may be as well. So it might seem like a small change to you, but for a family that could be a real problem. You want to make sure that that is communicated as early as possible and that it's communicated across all five avenues. So the first thing you might want to do is go to your website and put uh, some kind of reminder on your website. If you have like a latest news or gym news section on your website where you can post showcase pushed back one day, uh, make sure that that's on your website and somewhere where parents can see it easily and find more information. Uh, on your whiteboard out front, or maybe you've got a television screen set up that has announcements on it. Um, making sure that you put that somewhere on your whiteboard out front where it's going to be seen clearly and it can stay there for the next four weeks so that every time someone walks through the door uh, there it is right there in front of them showcase push back one day it's now happening on december 2nd rather than december 1st uh, email I've got into the habit um, sending out an email once a week to families every single Monday. And uh, each email that I sent out basically had housekeeping information. Um, this is when the next fundraiser is starting. Here's when open gym times are. Uh, the showcase is being pushed back one day. It's on December 2nd, not December 1. Um, and those types of things. Email once a week is the habit that I got into, and it's also the habit that uh, my other gym does as well. Um, and then on Facebook, I've got a Facebook page, and then I've got groups for every competitive program in, uh, in the gym. So in the group, you can post, remember, uh, your showcase has been pushed back one day. You can schedule those posts to go out every couple of days for the following three weeks so that people are seeing it over and over and over. Um, and then you can also use your text function as well. That's something that you would probably only want to use uh, in the, the week or so leading up to the event. Send out a couple of texts through your class management system saying, reminder, our showcase has been pushed back. It is no longer December 1st. It will begin on December 2nd at 10 a.m. or whatever it has to be. But just making sure that anything that you have to communicate to your families is done uh, through at least five different avenues. And that way, someone who comes into the gym and says, oh my gosh, I was late for a competition. I had no idea that this was our start time you can say well in the future we actually have five avenues of communication at this gym and you're welcome to use any one of them to keep yourself updated we use a website you can also check the whiteboard out front we send an email out once or twice a week these are our facebook groups that you can check and if you want to you can opt into our text message system that way a family has a minimum of five avenues that they can reliably um, reliably consult to find the information that they're looking for the other thing you want to make sure you're doing is that you're promoting all five avenues uh, frequently. So on your website, you can actually post on your homepage, maybe down at the bottom or off to the side um, somewhere. Five avenues of communication. Keep in, Want to keep in touch? Keep in touch via their website, whiteboard out front, our weekly emails, Facebook, and opt into our text at this number. 
put that directly on your website, maybe on your whiteboard up front. Uh, every time someone walks in uh, down at the bottom, say, you want to keep in touch, check out our website, www.eliteallstars.com. Our email goes out once a week. Make sure that your email address is on file. Here's the Facebook pages that you can consult, and here's how you can opt into our text. Promoting all of your avenues of communication on a regular basis helps remind people that if they, you know, if they can't find a piece of information here, maybe they should check over here. If they didn't see something in an email, maybe they should check your website. If they didn't some, see something on the, the, the whiteboard, maybe they should check a Facebook group. And it gives them more options and reminds them where they can find good quality information. So those are, are my five tips for dealing with difficult parents. First, remember that your program may not be for everyone and that is okay. Remember that you are the professional in the relationship and you need to act like it. Remember to involve parents and make them feel like they're part of the process whenever you possibly can. Uh, pick up the phone, speak to parents uh, over the phone, or even better, do it face-to-face -face if you can. And remember, last but not least, communication is essential. Access to good information is going to keep your parents happy. So make sure you're employing at least five avenues of communication at your gym. This has been another Cheerlogic Media podcast brought to you by CheerlogicMedia.net. My name is Tony Bentley. If you are looking for web design, video production, graphic design, photography, or social media consultation, or if you're looking for a speaker at your next Coaches Summit or conference, please get in touch with me by visiting www.cheerlogicmedia.net and clicking the contact page, or you can email me at TonyBentley at CheerlogicMedia.net. Thanks very much, everybody, and I will talk to you next time.